Hey everyone, it's MJ from the Edit Bay, uh, the new and improved Edit Bay. I am waiting on a copy of the theme song because I don't have it anymore because my last hard drive fried. So this is your replacement. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, one minute at a time or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery, and uh, this is, once again, take two of an episode. <laughs> so we introduced last week's episode the same way, right? Uh, yep. And here we are again, having to re-record an episode, but that's okay. We never get tired of talking about Jaws, even when we have to talk about the same minute or thereabouts more than once. So uh, yes, this episode is also coming out. A little bit later, but we should be back on track, I think, after this, uh, all being well. MJ is uh, new, computed up, is running quicker than ever before. Uh, so I <laughs> think we should be okay yes. going forward. Um, fingers crossed. Anyway, so let's let's get stuck into talking about this week's scene. Uh, it's, it's just us again this week, so no guests to introduce. And the timestamp of this week's scene is from... 55 minutes and 40 seconds to 56 minutes and 47 seconds we are still not at the hour that's going to be a big moment when we get there i feel um so in this scene we see uh the helicopter flying over so this is right after the uh reporter has just said cloud in the shape of a killer shark and then we see this helicopter fly overhead larry is on the beach looking very unimpressed with the media circus that is going on around him uh he walks over to a family that he knows and sort of persuades them uh gently or not so gently to go into the water to encourage other people to go in this family with a small amount of resistance uh do then listen and head on into the water um, and that is our our bit for this week. So, MJ, do you want to start us off with uh, anything that you noticed or picked up on in this scene? Yeah, I think right out of the gate, um, <clears throat> we get this shot of the helicopter kind of cutting across uh, the skyline and the tops of the, the sort of changing tents. And mm-hmm. we see Larry uh, in all his striped suit glory. Uh <laughs> standing there looking several things um he just he flashes so many emotions across his face uh Mm. all at once he looks annoyed he looks anxious he looks angry um and uh he looks like he's 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 annoyed mainly that he doesn't see anyone in the water because it 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 hurts his reputation if people are at the beach but not going in the water because it means they don't think it's safe and um <clears throat> he looks angry that uh they're they're doing that but i think he looks anxious because i think i think that in this flash of emotion across his face i think this is the beginning of not the end for larry he's still the mayor in jaws 2 so i'm told but it's the, the beginning of of his uh uh kind of coming around to seeing Brody's side of things. I know we talked about previously um, <clears throat> the Pharaoh, um, like Ten Commandments uh, Pharaoh comparison. And I think, you know, obviously in that story, uh, <clears throat> when the plagues hit close to Pharaoh's home and he loses his son, 
we're told that Pharaoh hardens his heart and goes after Moses and chases the, you know, the Jews out of Egypt and the Red Sea stuff and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. But in this scene, it almost feels like the fantasy version of that, like almost sort of the way Quentin Tarantino rewrites his history to be super revisionist. Uh, Mm. So does Jaws feel like if Pharaoh would have like not done that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, uh, I think the, the anxiety that you see flash across his face is the beginning of this seed of doubt of maybe I didn't make the right call here. And Mm. I think, I think one thing is we learned that, uh, well, I think we learned this from just being alive, but uh, uh, our our previous guest, I think it was Tim. And I think I've said this on several episodes now is like, when you're experiencing emotions, you don't experience them one at a time. You can, but you also Mm can't at the same time sometimes so i don't think it's necessarily incongruous for him to be questioning his decisions while also still wanting to save face in the public eye Mm -hmm. um so i think that's where larry's at at the beginning of this scene Mm. yeah i i do and don't agree (laughs) with with this um i think that we still see larry sink a little bit lower than than we have already seen him seen him go and that's in the next moment in particular where he he sort of has this this look on his face where he it it comes across as very very sinister but i i see i see the point that obviously there is a lot kind of going on in in his face and credit to murray hamilton for great silent acting and just sort of giving all of this across in in his face but the you could argue it as the that he's feeling anxiety perhaps about will will the summer be saved will amity make enough enough money to to get back on its feet but it's i don't know if that, that's not like the the or doesn't seem to be the biggest concern because i think as we've mentioned previously and, and we'll certainly mention again now that the beach is very very busy so there are people on the beach who will have made their money somehow the the those who hire out the deck chairs and the umbrellas i think last week's episode actually we mentioned that the umbrella trade is uh, going very very well on amity because those shark fin umbrellas are all over the beach um so financially i think things are not going to be too bad for for amity or perhaps at, at least not as bad as they had perhaps thought in the beginning but the sense that i get from from what larry larry's face is giving is that he is incredibly worried about his reputation he has a lot on on the line uh in this case and he's clearly a man who cares about appearances we see that in the way that he puts himself together and how he sort of talks and relates to the people of amity as well he's quite quite pally with a lot of them and is a is a snappy dresser and, and well put together and and all the rest of it so appearances in in that sense and also reputation are clearly something that are very important to him and whilst it's great you know the 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 vendors are doing their trade there are people on the beaches it's still the the media are there and and we see them well we we literally just saw it in the in the previous bit with uh 1970s peter benchley 
the most 70s reporter ever, as, as we called him. Um, the media are there, the, the, the helicopter is buzzing around, the cameras are there, the reporters are there. And so this is all being being captured in, in real time. And it's not enough for him to just see the people on the beach for it to be proven, case closed, there is no shark, Amity is safe, he needs to see people in the water. So that's that's the thing I think I can see the most um, across his face. That's not to say I, I can't see the other things at all, but that's the the main thing for me. And I'd love to know what he says, because like, he looks like he mutters something, right? But there's no subtitles and I cannot lip read, so no guesses for what he says at all there. But yeah, I he doesn't look very happy, <laughs> just in general. Yeah, it was weird because... <clears throat> um... Sorry, I'm clearing my throat. It's allergy season in Bakersfield right now, and it's Classic. it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it is it is it is nine in the morning, and it's seventy nine degrees Fahrenheit outside. It's too many degrees. <laughs> too many degrees. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, for those of you who don't want to do the uh, the conversion, it's twenty six point one one degrees Celsius. Uh, yeah. Like- so it's um <clears throat> it's real bad it's uh thankfully we will be moving it's supposed to be 106 here monday tuesday and wednesday absolutely not <laughs> yeah no 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 <laughs> thankfully this is the last month we will have to deal with this um <laughs> anyway uh so i feel kind of dumb because I just noticed for the first time that I can recall at least actively thinking about this that he mouths something I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. realized that um mm. and I very much when I was watching this I was like what is it what does he say um and I couldn't I couldn't I watched it back a couple times and I was like I got nothing I don't know no. um <laughs> I wonder if it's a swear word I would love that if someone's very good at lip reading and can work it out, I would like them to get in touch with us because I'm really intrigued now. <laughs> so to me, it looks like he says that bastard. And oh. I feel like he's talking about Brody. Oh, that would make uh Well, I mean, not very nice. Sure. But yeah, it would make sense. <clears throat> Yeah, looking looking mm. back on it right now, it, it really looks like he mouths that bastard. And mm. I could definitely <laughs> see him looking around at all this and being like, this is Brody's fault for sure. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I am I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, but I didn't go into it thinking about anything that he would be saying either. Mm. Uh so I don't think there's like a like a not cognitive dissonance or a bias or anything. Uh, yeah, it... Okay, watching it twice, maybe now that I've said it, I've got, like, the, the inherent bias, but it <laughs> really looks like it now that I've, like, kind of tried to determine it. Um, mm. So, all right, well, pause while MJ goes on a sleuthing mission. What does Larry Vaughn mouth... <laughs> And my new keyboard is loud as hell, so I won't be Googling as much on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, nope, this is all. Nope, all right. 
Never mind. Um, <clears throat> it was a lot of articles about how Larry Vaughn is a lot of leaders in the pandemic, which we've covered uh, thoroughly. So. Yeah, <laughs> many um, times. <laughs> yep, I was just like, not interested. We've been there, done that. I just want to see if he calls Brody a bastard. Um, but I could definitely see uh, that's the anger, right? That's the anger part mm, welling uh-huh. up. And uh, I think that's that's part of it. So moving on from these opening seconds of the scene where we're uh psychoanalyzing uh vaughn within an inch of his life um (laughs) so as he walks across you hear on the radio a baseball game Mm. and to me what's interesting is it's the fourth of july and wherever this baseball game is from it is been raining so it says it's very soggy in the outfield uh and that the stadium what does it say the the stadium holds water really well and that it's very soggy in the outfield and uh yeah the stadium the stadium does hold the water well and it is very soggy in the outfield so i don't know if it rained the night before or if it was a rain delay that they started um but i thought that was interesting it does look kind of overcast when they shot this scene um Mm. so i don't know if they just got you know whatever local like Mets or Yankees game in that area of the country um, that they would, they would find. But uh, the interesting thing to me about baseball being on the radio is absolutely. That's something that would happen um, is people would be listening to the game on the radio. That doesn't surprise me, but we talked previously about the America of, of this movie and the uh, America that that this movie represents and what the film has to say about America because it takes place on 4th of July because of the red, white, and blue we see all over the place when the tourists show up and things like that. And baseball is known as the American pastime. And when people want to emphasize the Americanness of something, they say it's as American pie as... It's American pie. It's as American (laughs) as apple pie and baseball. Like, it is... Mm -hmm one of the things that is most associated with this country. And so I think it's just a really clever bit of moving the story forward. There's momentum in the scene, but in the background, and we've talked about this before as well, like there's just like this really great texture throughout the movie that kind of fills out the world and makes it believable. And I think this is part of it. You're obviously never really going to think that much about the baseball game unless you watch this movie in this bizarre way we've decided to (laughs) but it helps you like you hear that and you register like oh baseball game on the fourth of july this is america as hell like the (laughs) that you know that is the most america thing someone could do um Mm -hmm. and so uh it just like it goes and reinforces like what specifically through vaughn and vaughn's leadership uh spielberg is trying to get across about this country Mm. yeah this is uh, maybe like peak america i think in in this scene or certainly across into the next scene as well i think it's in next week's one whereas like the guy on the boat with a gun and the flag is in the background (laughs) yeah like this is definitely in america it's definitely the fourth of july and whilst there isn't anything quite as blatant in this scene as the literal flag uh waving in the background the i've just sort of paused it at the moment when larry is starting to walk across the beach and this is when you can hear 
the the baseball game and there's this woman who is sort of sat near the like changing hut number one she's got like a white scarf on her head and she has got a red white and blue striped towel as well Mm. and we've spoken certainly in the in the last couple of minutes of this film we're seeing those three colors more and more and particularly all together or on the same garment or on the same person or on the same bike we had that i had that insane moment a couple of weeks ago uh where i had like circled everything where there was like deconstructed flags and goodness knows what going on in that that scene of uh tourists on the menu when they're all arriving in amity so we're seeing we're seeing that here as well and and what is also interesting and something that is very very prominent in this scene in fact just in this still that i've that i've got now where i've (laughs) where i've paused it there are so many stripes and specifically vertical stripes so in this shot alone there's the 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 towel that the woman has that i that i mentioned that's got the red white and blue stripes larry's jacket is this uh sort of gray uh white and blue pinstripe the changing huts in the background are white and orange striped and then further back than that there is the the fence um sort of line in the edge of the beach as well where it is just these sort of like vertical uh slats coming out of the ground similar to the the fence you see i think when chrissy is running yeah. along the beach right at the start um so a lot of stripes in this scene and it's something that gives the impression i i guess of of feeling of feeling trapped or feeling fenced in i mean there's a lot of people crammed into a small space on this on this beach i i guess they've there's i can see even now looking at this there is some space like a little bit further back but everyone wants to be where the action is <laughs> clearly um but yeah a, a, this sort of sense of being very like fenced in like these people are all in like a little chicken coop almost uh in this in this tight corner of the beach or whatever everyone seems to be congregating in the same area so we are we are getting that sense of of anxiety obviously as there are so many people there and just I don't even think this is just like a, an anxiety thing, but sometimes like when there is a lot of people in one place and the, and a lot of things going on, it can just feel that bit more chaotic and like anything could happen at any moment and you wouldn't necessarily see it or notice it because there being so many people there. It's it's kind of harder to to pick out maybe what's happening. But yeah, I I like that sort of repeated visual thing throughout this scene with them um, with these stripes and the the different colors as well and, and the effects that that has in in this scene uh yeah this um <clears throat> this is a, a great example of like you said those vertical stripes they they imply like imprisonment and being trapped and things like that i think the most famous example of this movie of this movie of this sort of technique or the one that you see on a lot of like film sites or even like buzzfeed or whatever <laughs> um is american beauty like there's vertical Mm. stripes all throughout that and it like it frames the characters within those vertical stripes the most famous shot is like he who shall not be named sitting at his computer and uh there's he's like working on a spreadsheet and the reflection makes it look like he's behind bars and and um Mm. things like that anyway american beauty is a bad movie and this is a good movie (laughs) so uh it's 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 done better here it's actually so subtle here that in the first time I noticed it was when we re- first recorded this episode and we talked about it. And mm. um, I think it's brilliant. It's so smart. 
because mm -hmm. it's once again one of those little subconscious things you're not registering it but you feel the unease in it and people feel uneasy when they feel trapped right like that's the yeah. whole point of your fight or flight responses you feel trapped by something you've got to go and so mm -hmm. through the visual grammar of this scene he's putting us on edge and we don't even know it mm. and uh yeah. it's it's just like it's a magic trick at this point you know i know there's uh and i, I know i'm throwing a lot of different comparisons out but you know there's <laughs> there's this this idea that you can read like uh, almost all of christopher nolan's movies as like allegories for the filmmaking process and so the prestige is like a magic trick or whatever but this is like i feel like this is what they talk about when they talk about the magic of movies because the scene definitely makes me feel uneasy. I've never mm -hmm. necessarily realized all the things going into it that make me feel uneasy about it. Besides, oh no, I know there's still a shark in the water. Why are those people going in the water? It sucks that they are like basically being fed to the shark by this guy who's stroking his own ego. Mm. But watching the film like this, it's like, oh no, it's the baseball game. So it's making me think about my country and how I want it to be better. It's the vertical stripes. It makes me feel imprisoned. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel like I want to get out of there because I feel trapped. It's the amount of people. It makes me feel claustrophobic. <laughs> um, just things like that, like all go into the unease that permeates the scene. Mm. And you don't think about it until you watch it like this or listen to two people watch it like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. one of the things that makes me feel particularly uneasy in this scene is the music and i very well known have a clown phobia so anything mm. circus related circus adjacent uh is automatically just gonna make me feel a bit anxious but this the sound of this uh band in in the background that we we saw in the previous bit where they're sort of on the bandstand and it's um everyone's having a good time and and, and celebrating and it the the music is sort of meant to be this you know carnival music and that is supposed to make people feel happy but the way it sounds in this uh, maybe it's just it, because we have all these other things going on as well but it sounds super sinister and it oh, the the like there's like a swell in the music as well when the family like do decide to stand up and then go into the water it's it's very it's very cleverly done and i think it was i hope it was in last week's episode that we talked about the the diegetic music but this um this continues to be to be that this is the music that the band who are on the pe on the beach are are playing and it really is starting to sound more sinister and i think it's right at the end of this bit that we're talking about where the the netflix subtitle says that the music distorts um and becomes like i can't remember exactly what it says but it definitely it says something along those lines where it's just like oh no or becomes like ominous i think it says it, it like it distorts and becomes ominous and it's like well it was already pretty ominous to begin with especially if you don't <laughs> like circuses uh and with these sort of like striped tents in the background as well those, those these tents are doing or like changing huts they're doing a lot of heavy lifting in this scene <laughs> because they are these sort of like bright colors and it's meant to be cheery and inviting and vertical stripes are something you see on the beach quite a lot like you frequently get the the sort of the chairs that you hire out on the beach you'll quite mm. often see those in like a stripe pattern and these changing hut things as well um the like british candy as well the sticks of rock they're usually oh, yeah. striped 
um as well so you've got these sort of like bright candy stripe colors going on in in the background but the effect with everything else with the music with the other vertical stripes the sense of all these people being quite closely packed together as well everything about that just this just feels uneasy and i and i i think you're right as well like doing doing it this way and watching the film in this way you're sort of putting these pieces together the pieces that have always been there but really taking the time to like slow down and look at them individually and you just see them all come together and how all of these things work and movies truly are magic because this is what just over a minute of a film it's minute and seven seconds i think so not a whole lot of film considering it's two hours and four minutes in total but so much happening and so much that is sort of working together to create this sense of unease. And particularly when you're, as this example is, you're using things that shouldn't make you feel uneasy. These things should make you feel happy and like you're having a fun time. But they don't. <laughs> the context of everything else that we've seen and, and knowing that the shark is still out there, all of these things just make us feel anxious. So this scene is is doing its job and it does it very effectively. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'd never considered the uh, uh, the the vertical stripes being part of beach. I don't know culture. That sounds weird, but um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like thinking about it, like the 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 Beach Boys, they made popular these vertical stripe shirts. They were often wearing like blue and pink vertical stripes in you know a lot of the videos that you see of them performing, and I think on several of their album covers. So. At some point, vertical stripes did get, but it's vertical pastel stripes, I think, is is mm. specifically what got associated with the beach and, like, beach culture. And um, here we get that in the sort of orange, right? Like, it's, it's, there's nothing particularly ominous about the changing huts themselves. Like, if you see them on the beach, they don't, mm. I don't think they look that scary just kind of sitting there. But in films like this, like looking at them in film, they present this sort of disorienting uh, effect. And they do this in Jaws, but it also happens in um, Us. Uh, so, yeah, in Us, the, the film takes place in a Northern California beach town and he uses best i remember i only did see i did only see it once he uses these vertical stripes on the beach when the little girl first gets kidnapped mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie and it's that same sort of uneasiness and there's actually in that opening sequence i believe i remember uh there are several tributes to jaws in that yes yeah in that scene uh i think best i remember have you seen it can you confirm i have yeah i again i've only <laughs> i've only seen it once because it really creeps me out um but i when i watched it at the time i remember oh the kid is wearing a jaws t-shirt the um oh yeah the i think this is when the not in the sort of like the um flashback scene but the the little kid um is wearing like a jaws like baseball shirt um and there is i can sort of yeah i'm just looking at a still from it now and i can see like i don't think it's necessarily like the same kind of like stripe um changing hearts or anything but there's definitely yeah i would confidently say there are some jaws references in this um in this scene 
So the comparison to us, I feel like is, what am I trying to say? If you're making a film that is meant to maximize creep factor, mm -hmm. stealing from Jaws is probably the best idea you could have. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I've never made a horror film, but if I did, I would absolutely steal from Jaws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could do worse than than taking inspiration from Jaws, and I won't take credit for this because I I have just looked up sort of um references or or things that influenced Jordan Peele with us, and it does specifically mention Jaws and that idea of something lurking beneath the surface. I guess is the the best way of describing that without entirely spoiling us as well. Um that that threat of sort of something unseen or unknown is something that is very strong in in us so i think a deliberate choice to put that that kid in a in a jaws t-shirt and obviously with the bad thing happening on like a beach holiday it makes so yeah. much sense to reference jaws like it it, it would almost be weird if they didn't <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but it's 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 also interesting because that film is nothing like Jaws in a lot mm. of ways. And so mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see sort of how they reinterpret um, these cues that this movie has that's very, like, specific. It's I feel like Jaws is a very specific movie, um, mm. par partially because of how, like, ingrained in the culture of Zeitgeist it is, but also it's very specifically... It's very specific stylistically. It's very specific tonally. It's very specific in what it's about. Like, there aren't a ton of shark movies after this that really get like a lot of mainstream popularity because this one's so good. <laughs> I honestly think that the, the straight up shark movie. And I think we talked about this in the last episode or we're talking about it in episode 36, the straight up shark movie that has had mm. the most traction with mainstream audiences since jaws might be the shallows. And that's yeah. like 40 years between the, the two, you know, like Deep Blue Sea <laughs> had its moment, but we talked about that's more of like a big fantasy action movie that mm. has almost nothing in common with this movie. Mm -hmm. um, the Shallows I haven't seen, but I've heard like, you know, by all intents, for all intents and purposes, what I've heard from it sounds like it's more realistic and like, it's just sharks. Like, it's just, they're not genetically yeah. engineered. There's not like a big like actiony element to it or like you know it's kind of just this survival film the way this mm -hmm. sort of turns into at the in the back half so mm -hmm. uh that's a long gap between movies and i would say that the shallows has had almost virtually no impact mm -hmm. uh aside from the fact that people were like oh hey finally another good shark movie like it, it took that long for people to be like hey this one's pretty good um <laughs> So, stealing from Jaws, and you see it in tons of other movies too, not just us, but taking from the film, like, it, it's interesting that, that it's such a specific film, but it can be manipulated in so many ways to where you're like, oh, they did a Jaws shot, right? And then even some of the shots in Jaws, like the, you know, the 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 beach scene with, with Brody, um, with the, you know, the dolly shot, the dolly zoom shot, that's out of, uh, is it Psycho? Vertigo. It's out of Vertigo. That's okay. And, uh, you know, Vertigo's nothing like Jaws. <laughs> nothing like Jaws. But 
Spielberg took the grammar of that and adapted it to this movie, and it's really effective in both films. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really interesting to sort of think about Jaws as its place in cinema history to kind of see. I feel like it came out. We're getting further and further from it, but it basically came out at the halfway point of cinema as we know mm -hmm. it now, right? Like mm -hmm. roughly a hundred years is what we're talking about for for how long the art form has been around. And so it's interesting to see this movie that came out, once again, very rough estimate, 50 <laughs> years into like the cinema, like as we know it, like film history as we know it, and then what it's doing 50 years on from that. Mm. Um, it's super interesting to see like how it drew on those influences, created this film that now other filmmakers are making and drawing on the influences that this is drawing on and how sort of, you know, not to be like all rust coal about it and time is a flat circle, but like how kind of circular it all is. Like it's, mm. it's just like n not that, new but it feels so fresh and interesting yeah that's a really really good point actually and the the influence of jaws i think is one of the things that i just find one of the things i find most staggering uh, about it and and why it is still so popular now and uh, you know i whenever there is like a jaws reference in a film i will be like incredibly excited and and happy to, to hear it it's always a, a highlight if a film references jaws then it automatically goes up by like half a star i think yeah. that's that's the general rule um but like you said it is is taking this influence from from the past we, we mentioned the the hitchcock thing there and has continued to to have this massive influence on on pop culture and and other films from from that point i hadn't even really joined the dots with with us before that, that we we're talking about before but it, it it makes a whole heap of sense when you actually sit and think about it and perhaps the most obvious thing that the two films share is that they're both about america in mm. in some form or another i mean that that is kind of us's whole thing i mean that people when they like figured out the title they were like oh it's like us but it's also u.s, US. Yeah. <laughs> so it's jordan peele's commentary on kind of like the state of america and the america of it all in a in a very different way and that's obviously something that comes across very very strongly in jaws and we, and we have spoken about a great deal as well as is, is is the america of it all and that this this film can't just be sort of like plopped down into into another location and and it still work um because it it just doesn't it just doesn't have the same effect and i think it's it's all well and good for a another shark film to reference jaws because i think it would be weird if a shark film came out now that didn't reference jaws but other films that have absolutely nothing to do with sharks they they reference jaws whether you know it's it's something sort of quite subtle in, in you know, how uh, Spielberg shoots it or, or anything like that, but and and more direct and, and overt references to, to lines from it, iconic quotes. It has kind of everything that you would want in a film, really. That's why we frequently say that Jaws is, is perfect. It just has everything that you would want or need in a film. But another sort of pretty neat thing like getting getting back into this this scene again is obviously jaws is 
influence on on other things but it's it's influence in itself as well and how it sort of sees these things that started off in the beginning and then uses them in very very different ways so we i don't think i've spoken about this for a little while but the whole predator prey thing which we spoke about a fair bit in in the beginning and we sort of had this mind-blowing revelation like very very mm. early on into the podcast as well with um with uh i was gonna call him alex then tom uh tom and chrissy um we love tom he's not a predator really uh but this the way that larry is sort of patrolling the beach in this in this scene and weaving in and out of the people it really reminded me of the bit when uh the we're in the shark first shark perspective and the shark is approaching alex just before uh the attack on him and it's almost like the, the shark is seeking out a particular a particular victim. We sort of see it swim past the the other legs kicking about and splashing about, and then it sort of hones in on on Alex and, and goes for him. And we we see that here as well. Like obviously Larry doesn't, you know, jump on these people and, and tear them to shreds. That would be fun. Um but he does sort of like pick out the family that he is going to to potentially send <laughs> send to their send to their deaths um find someone that he knows perhaps someone who is going to be easy to influence a larger family as well there's five of them so that sort of perhaps to other people on the beach you know seeing five people go into the water is better than seeing two people go in um but yeah it's it's that movement of larry sort of like weaving his way across the beach that really reminded me of that scene and as we get just after that as well a direct link with the alex kintner scene which is the 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 raft that the family take out into the sea is uh bright yellow as well which is uh the same the same color as alex's uh raft that he took out when he was attacked as well so yeah jaws referencing itself <laughs> or carrying through some like the same ideas throughout anyway it's it's always fun to see these things um crop up again and be used i think in increasingly creative and different ways as well i think is just one of the many things that makes this film so dang wonderful <laughs> yeah it's a it's a shark-shaped ouroboros I got nothing on that. I have no I have no way to elaborate on that besides what I just said. Yep, yep. Presented without comment. <laughs> yep. I'm not even sure I pronounced Ouroboros correctly, but I think I did. <laughs> yeah, did we did we have anything else that we wanted to talk about with this scene? Um let me just have a quick scan through my notes. Um I mean, there's there's not a whole lot, I guess, in the the conversation that Larry has with this with this family, but he he's quite uh, I don't say forceful, but he's he's really only accepting one answer in this case. He does sort of start off quite nicely by saying, "Please," uh, to at least be polite. But then he, it's not, would you mind going in the water? Would you be able to go in the water? It's like, get in the water. <laughs> so yeah. he clearly knows this family. They they acknowledge him by name. So say, oh, hi, Larry, when he goes up to them. So yeah, the 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 main sort of like takeaway I got from, from that conversation is that it seems he has handpicked this, this family to be the one to go in, much like he has 
uh, much like the shark sort of seemed to pick out uh, Alex, as I was mentioning. I I don't think that <laughs> there's nothing sinister in, in Larry's motives here or more sinister than normal anyway. I don't think he is even giving a thought to this family might get attacked. I think he just goes, there's a family I know. There's a lot of them. They should go in the water. That's then going to make me look better. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I had anything else unless you did. Uh, no, I think that's, that's it. I do think that, um, when we get the wide shot of them walking into the water, the Mm. water makes an interesting triangle, um, at the beach on the, in the, in the far distance of the shot, Mm. which, uh, the blue of the water looks sort of like a shark's fin. Um, yeah. And we talked about, I think we talked about in the previous one about all the triangles everywhere, the triangles on obviously the umbrella and then the, mm. um, the top of the, the, the flags on top of the beach huts are, are, they're all pointing towards the ocean basically. And it's just signaling like, Hey, something's about to happen. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's, it's just good visual storytelling, but I think it is also partly one of those lucky things because in the previous shot, and I don't know what order they shot this in, but in the previous shot, the wind is blowing the opposite directions and blowing the flags away from the ocean. Um, And in this wide shot, it's blowing them towards the ocean. So it is sort of a little bit of, um, you know, we got lucky with the wind, but also, and the way the beach looks like they didn't shape the beach to look like that. So Mm. Uh, but it does help. It does help kind of drive home like all the triangular things in the in the shot. And the, obviously the triangle is what we're going to most associate with the shark for a lot of the movie ex- until the, the very, very end, because that's all we're seeing is the fin sticking out of the water. Um, plus mm. what's coming up with a different fin um, yeah. as well. Like it's just it's putting that that sort of imagery of a fin in our head uh, before mm. we even see it. Yeah, that um that shape of the beach in the in that wide shot that you mentioned is very like that poster that I think we talked about in last um week's episode yeah. as well, the cloud in the shape of a killer shark poster which like really cleverly uses the the shape of the beach and the clouds uh and the the shore to sort of like look like there is a shark in in the clouds and and using the landscapes which I think is is really really effective and just pausing it on this wide shot actually there is like a whole stretch of beach like a little bit further down that is definitely not as busy as this particular corner is so these people are not very sensible at all i mean you could just move your stuff and go down where it's quieter surely or do you like being packed on top of other people on the beach (laughs) these people have not thought their their towel location through um but the i guess the 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 final thing or something i just remembered (laughs) to mention is that um this sort of wide shot with the family walking into the water is uh we've we've seen something very similar looking to this before sort of way back in the bit when brody is flicking through the shark books and we see this um sort of overhead shot of uh of a beach very very busy lots of people um and it's it's pretty much like we're seeing that photo from the book come to life so um some great examples of foreshadowing i mean that whole book the that brody 
reads uh, or the the various books that he flicks through uh, they might as well just be called like foreshadowing the novel or something because they <laughs> they have so much in them that basically then sort of comes comes true in the in the rest of the film and uh i think it's actually that picture in the book of the beach where it's got so- someone like up in a crow's nest as well which is obviously where mm-hmm. we see brody uh close out the film at the at the very end when he takes down the shark but yeah, this this shot of Amity um, looks very like that image, and you may, maybe you mentioned it earlier, but it's I don't know if this is just like the the brightness on my screen, but it's not looking as sunny and clear blue skies as it was earlier. It's like starting to look a bit overcast, and that is uh, generally a sign that bad things are on the horizon. If the sky is a bit grey, if it's starting to look a bit cloudy, that's normally a classic sign of something is yeah. something's about to go awry. I mean, these people are still sunbathing and having a good time, but the the weather is often a good indicator of uh, what's about to happen. The wind has changed as well, as you mentioned, with the, the flags turning direction, so something is about to take a turn. Uh, we assume for the worst. <laughs> Well, we know for the worst because we've seen it, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, righty, I think uh, that's that'll probably be it for this week. Uh, stop me if you have anything else urgent to say before we wrap up. Um, but uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug this week, MJ? Um, we do have a new episode of Real Perspective out. It's about Godzilla versus Kong. It should be out by the time you're hearing this or shortly thereafter. You're going to hear this probably first because this episode is already late as it is. <laughs> um, but I have a new computer and so everything like this should be the end of delays. That's what I want to plug. I want to plug my new computer that <laughs> you will get you will get uh, episodes in a timely manner from now on. Um, my other computer uh, suffered a similar fate as Corella Deville's mother, and um, <laughs> yeah, so it just I had to deal with that and um, replace it. So uh, that's why stuff's been weird with the release schedule, but it should be no more. Except it's about to get weird with the release schedule, maybe because I'm moving very soon. So <laughs> bear with us, shark yeah. with us, yeah, please. <laughs> That's stupid. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not Cruella's mom as well. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't expect her to be brought up on the pod. Um, well, uh, a nice segue, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Disney related or Disney adjacent. I uh, have another podcast as well that I'm currently doing for Jumpcast with my wonderful uh, co-host Barry Levitt. We are going through all the Disney animated classics. We did 101 Dalmatians approximately approximately 25 years ago. Well, that's what it feels like anyway. Um, so you can listen to that. Uh, it's The episode is shorter than the Cruella film is. So go and listen to us talking about a good film instead of watching Cruella, maybe. Um, our most recent episode is talking about 2011's Winnie the Pooh. It was maybe one of the most wholesome and lovely things we have ever recorded it was a really nice discussion it also features my very very cute niece who is two and a half years old singing the winnie the pooh theme song if that's not enough to draw in the crowds i don't know what is uh but also us talking about disney and good films um so (laughs) go and give that a listen you can find jumpcast wherever you find podcasts uh mj have you watched the wages of fear yet no, I haven't. I've been dealing with my computer all week. 
Also, I decided to watch Army to. Army of the Dead and Those Who Wish Me Dead instead, and that was a bad mm. idea. So, mm. yeah, I was about to say you're excused, but I've uh, I've changed my mind now. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Next week, next week, I'm gonna keep trying. Um, you can find us uh, the the podcast on Twitter if you would like to chat to us, uh, send us shark memes, uh, ask us any questions in the DMs. They're open. You can do that. The uh, Twitter handle for that is at Jaws for a minute. You can also find us individually. I'm at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJ Smith 891. You can also email us uh, if you don't use Twitter or if you want to send us something that way instead. Our email is Jaws for a minute at gmail.com. You can support the show in a number of ways. You can rate and review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify tend to be the best ones. For those, uh, you can buy our merchandise. Uh, depending on when you are listening to this, you may be able to snap up this deal that Redbubble currently have, uh, where they're giving like 20 to 60% off everything. Um, it's a pretty good deal. I bought myself a t-shirt because why not? Um, so I think the code, the discount code you use is find your thing. Um, I believe that expires on the 1st of June. So hopefully this episode has gone out in time and you can snap up, um, a last minute deal on, on Redbubble and get something, uh, with our logo or alternate logo on it for a very good price indeed. Uh, TeePublic and Redbubble are the places to find our merchandise, which you can find in our Twitter bio. Uh, if you would like to uh, give us a donation, you can do that through our coffee page. Still got the incentive going of if you donate, then you'll be entered into a draw to win some merch. Um, so definitely worth doing that. Again, link in our Twitter bio to find that. A huge thank you, as always, to Alex uh, for our wonderful logo designs uh, that you can buy on the aforementioned merchandise he is at hex shadow on twitter um or at hex ghosts on instagram so go and check out his stuff because it is all very cool um and also check out uh at kristen falls music on instagram she did our wonderful uh, and very catchy theme song um, which you can purchase for yourself to own forever and listen to on repeat uh, from Bandcamp. So you, I think the, the links to all of these things are in our uh, Twitter bio. So that's the best place to head if you want to do any of these things. Um, and we will be back next week. So until then, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere. <laughs>